Charles McFall, and I am here to bring you some awesome stuff today. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission about communication, and it is it is what I'm going to be doing in life. Hey, welcome to the show. Again, this is the Rock Out of Podcasting. It's a little bit of motivation. I haven't talked about this in a while, right? It's Tony Robbins, motivation, a little edgy, but on point and gets you there. And then it is followed by Facebook not working, so I can see my stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but it's all about Kevin Smith storytelling, right? Everything I do is a story. And it's got a little bit of that Kevin Smith naughty sauce in there, you know. Uh, some of the words I say are not exactly appropriate for everyday work. And you know what? Some of the topics, some of the, the harder truth that I give you is not always where you might want it to be. So then, of course, there's Jim Swilly, truth-telling and soul-searching mixed in. You mix it all together. You get a rock out of podcasting. I am live on a Facebook. This is where I record. It is when it is. It is where it is. So today is Wednesday morning, August the 2nd. And I am, I did not do a show last week. Just, just cause, uh, you know, I, I was behind on posting the two episodes that I had recorded and just life, man. Uh, I went to the Pokemon Go po- uh, festival in Chicago and that was a whirlwind weekend. Uh, and I'm sharing this. I am sharing this on Facebook. Uh, so you should do that as well. If you're listening to the podcast, go to facebook.com forward slash rock got a podcasting. You can see the video if you're into watching the video. I do post this stuff on YouTube eventually. Uh, you can see it there as well. But I like on Facebook. You can like, you can share, you can heart. Uh, so do that. And that's the thing. Before, if you if you followed me for a while... If you've listened to my show or any of my previous shows, I've done live for a very, very long time. And typically, I've had the experience of being able to set everything up, everything's ready. So when you hit go, it's just show, right? It's all professional. It's all nothing behind the scenes. Everything runs well. And with Facebook Live, it's just meant to be, boom, up there. They haven't really tooled it for production levels. So even though I get to use this beautiful Wirecaster program, and have some production levels that go into it and get all my stuff set the way I want it set. I cannot get the word out until I go live. So that is how it goes here. And, of course, if you're on the podcast, you're like, I don't care about this. Yeah, yeah, you do. You just like to hear me talk. You like to hear me go. And would you rather just silence? No, actually, you'd say, Charles, edit it. Well, Charles is lazy. I don't want to edit it, so I don't. (laughs) You're right. I could. I could totally just... Do this live, get it all posted, then quoting fingers start the show. That's just not how I roll, and you know that, and it's all good. So I, I am, I am fired up about communication, man. I am, I, I've realized that's my niche now. Google tells me, according to my SEO experts, Google tells me that uh, they they think my niche is low income and uh, living on minimum wage and this stuff. And to be honest, that is where. Ninety percent of my stories come from right. I grew up poor. I even now uh, I do okay, but I would have to say I'm I'm low middle class. I'm not sure where the middle class in the po- I think I'm pretty sure the poverty line is well below what I make, but I'm definitely low class or low middle class financially speaking. Uh, 
I'm always low class. When it comes, well, that's not true. I mean, that's that's a fun joke possibly to make, but the reality is, I I understand that I am. I do things high class, and I do take care of people, and I'm, I'm a nice guy, and all that jazz. Uh, low class has you know a bunch of different meanings. Now, financially, just because you don't make enough money doesn't define who you are. Because we're going to talk about that in the show today. It doesn't matter what level of education you have. Somehow, human beings have forgotten. How to communicate, and it's pissing me off so much. You know, I've talked about customer service, right? I've talked about how the heart of customer service is listening and communication. I've talked about, hey, baby, my wife's watching now. And actually, this story is kind of based off of what we talked about last night and your experiences. So you're going to be referenced maybe once or twice in the show today, <laughs> as you are almost every time I do a show. Ah, But I, I just... People have forgotten how to communicate. They think because they think it and this is their world that you should just understand that. You should just be okay with whatever they say. They don't reason things out. And I could say you don't reason things out. I could say I don't reason things out. Most of my stories are going to be real world stories. So it will be a me and a they or us and a them kind of thing. It definitely is centered around school. The kids are back in school now, which on the upside, my wife has already mentioned possibly doing her McGird again, uh, but I'm not sure about schedules and, and energy levels and that kind of thing. Uh, but on the downside, there's a lot of early mornings, but there's a lot of this head on lack of communication that is so unnecessary. So I put in the notes here. I put in the notes. I'm going to show you how you get everything you ever wanted in life by communicating, by talking about it. And you get everything you, you ask for. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Back in the early days when my wife and I would go do stuff, I, I, I cannot speak to her mindset, but I would definitely speak to my own saying, I just expected things to happen, right? I never really researched things. I never looked into what it meant to do something I just kind of expected stuff to just happen. I remember her and I having a conversation about her brother in the early on days. He's trying to get custody of his child. Um, it's a long story about that, but that it's not about this story is not about the brother. The story is about the situation around him. So he's trying to get custody and me being this at the time, especially uneducated because I was refusing to look things up and learn and educate myself to what's actually going on. Being this uneducated person who just assumed oh this is my world and i keep putting my hands together in a very closed pattern you know if you do the if you grew up in the church you know this is a steeple this is a church you know whatever uh you can flip your hands around these are the people whatever but it's like that but it's very very close it's almost like a namaste and, and what that is representing to me as i say it and i wanted you on the podcast to, to hear about this is that is such a tight I mean, if you look right through there it's such a tight squeezed life and that's how most of us live and we don't even realize it we don't even realize we're living in this tiny little sliver of life because it's just comfortable it's the water and the lobster it's the the hot water and the frogs right you put uh, the story goes that i think it can be lobster crabs or frogs but you put them in hot water they they climb the hell out but you put them in okay water and slowly turn up the heat you'll 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 boil them alive, which is goddamn horrible to think about boiling something alive. I don't even know if that's how you prepare lobster. I don't personally eat lobster only because uh, it it honestly tastes fishy to me. I don't like the, the, I love seafood, but there's this, the only way to describe it is there's this fishiness to it. And I, I don't like a fishy flavor. Um, 
Besides, I don't eat lobster, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, all the crabs that I've personally eaten have been dead. They were killed before I ate them. I'm, I, sometimes you don't want to think about how your life works, right? Because there's some hard truths that you have to embrace. I'll look at Cal dead in his eyes and be like, you tasty bitch. <laughs> you know, I don't care. But the thing about a lobster being boiled alive, I, I, uh. anyway, point is, that's our lives. We start building things. When you, when somebody goes, oh, you're so strong to, to do, I can't believe you, uh, my wife gets this, I can't believe you are able to take four kids to the grocery store. Well, we didn't pop out four kids at once, right? We started with one child. Then we had a second one. Then we had a third one. Then we had a fourth one. So it was a slow build to where you just added in increments, right? And now this is just life. This is what we do. And that's, that's, oh, man, the lack of communication. Hey, Clinton, I see you you're in there. And Clinton knows. I mean, he's been a podcast forever. I mean, holy crap, Clinton. The, the, the people nowadays who want to start a podcast, right? And like, why isn't this happening right now? And we we sit back. Uh, Clinton's been podcasting uh, longer than I have. Uh, I think he got. It. I think he got in like the second somebody said MP, and they didn't even drop the three yet. And he's like, "Done, I'm in." Because <laughs> I know uh, Comedy Forecast was up and running uh, before I, I jumped in when I first jumped into podcasting, and th- that was in 2004, I think. I'm pretty sure Comedy Forecast was already up and and out there. Uh, anyway, point is perspective is everything your experience uh and, and it'd be technical to, uh, to uh sorry let me think too my son, yeah my son was born so actually i guess technically i was podcasting before clinton but he's been much better and much more consistent at it than i ever was uh because he's still doing the same show and doing some great work and i've done uh, i think i'm on my eighth iteration of podcast show at this point, I'm not sure. I'd have to count. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll count and figure that out. Who, how many shows? Anyway, point is, when you come into something, you most people, most human beings, are tied into their sliver of experience, and that's what this is. In case you're just catching in, well, hold my hands up. It's not namaste. Although, by all means, take that. Uh, it's it's representing a sliver of life, and that's that's how we do. Is we fail to go, okay, let's look at all the factors. Let's see what we can get out of it. Couponing blew up a couple of years ago, about five, six, seven years ago. And my wife had been couponing before that. And because she started asking the question, what can I get? How can I work these deals? And then she learned some things from Extreme Couponer, but she had already been on, that's a TLC show, I think, or was a TLC show. And she had already gone into this idea at the time. Okay, case in point about communication, about not thinking outside of your own life and not not asking. Just ask, what can I get? What can I do? We were, every year we'd get our taxes back, and I was making, we were making okay money. So we'd get, because we didn't manage our taxes well, we'd get five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 back at the end of the year, uh, at the tax time. And by, by what I mean by not managing our taxes right is if you can, a little side note, sidebar here, if you can do your deductions as close to zero as possible, right, so that you're not paying in a ton, you keep that money throughout the year and you pay your bills and those kind of things. And we were struggling to pay bills and looking forward to tax time so we could go to uh, a Costco or a Sam's or a BJ's, it's uh, Berkeley and Jensen, but they call themselves BJ's. 
Because um, I know, right? What guy doesn't want to shop at the BJ store? <laughs> Maybe they did that marketing-wise pretty smart. I don't know. But my point is, is we were getting a, a lot of money back, so we were setting aside a good one to $2,000 to go to a Costco or a Sam's or a BJ's and stock up and get a year's supply of toilet paper and a year's supply of paper towels and a year's supply of this, year, you know, which to a lot of people was smart, right? We we get most of our stuff at that time because we have a bulk amount of money. We buy in bulk, get places to store it. It was all good. And one year she took, she decided to coupon because she was already doing that a little bit here and there throughout the year, grocery time and this and that and the other. And I remember we go, she just said, okay, I want to do the best I can. And she had this list. I mean, the list, the receipt of the coupons was as long as my arm. And she saved us almost $200 on that run. I was like, holy cow. Of course, it was work. It was effort. But she asked the question, what can I get? How can I make this better? And then that just opened up her world. Because then we found out, and maybe different now, I'm talking about almost 12 years ago, really. Because uh, I'm pretty sure either my son was a baby and we had to leave him with a babysitter or he wasn't even born yet when we did this. Um, I had the PT Cruiser, and that was a 2004, and we bought it. So it could have been right as my son was a baby, about 2005, 2006, okay? Is when we did that, and that just opened up her mind. And so then she started asking, what more can I do? And started learning. You can You can do the deals where you'll have a manufacturer's coupon and you'll have a store coupon and they'll have it on sale and so on and so forth. So you started at, that's a form of communication, just asking yourself, asking God, asking the universe, asking somebody around you who's doing something that you want to do. That's the first step of communication of getting what you want because God, man, we just don't communicate. And when I get to the story about the school, it's, it's just, this is what's got me fired up because schools are the worst. Schools are the worst for communication. They think, in my experience, at least public schools, and well, no, I've only dealt with all public schools, basically. Uh, I don't remember. I wasn't in this mindset when I went to college. So I, 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 in this framework of this conversation about lack of communication and expecting you just to know things and do things, I don't remember that in that light. But I do know what my kids are going through now and everything I've paid attention to the last couple of years. So anyway, the couponing blew up, and, and my wife was really good at it. And now, I mean, stores are adjusting. Business does adjust. And while they want business and they, they totally accept you, Walmart has stopped doing price matching. Uh, Publix, I think it was, is a grocery store, stopped doing doubling. You, know, I get it. Some they're, sometimes they're smart business, and it frustrates you, but she's still working around it. You don't understand how many times she's been in line with people maybe we knew or just strangers that she had extra coupons and said, hey, not to be weird, but I noticed that you're getting X, Y, Z. I've got some coupons. Would you like, oh, that'd be awesome. Thank you. And she gives them coupons. And she goes, yeah, you know, you could – basically, this will save you 3 or $4. Oh, I just don't have time for that. Really? You can sit down and watch Tuesdays with Maury, but you can't sit down and cut coupons at the same time. You know, the I can't mentality. The I can't mentality blocks communication all the time. And, you know, Clinton, this is a great story to remind me of. So the first year I went to Dragon Con, I went on behalf of New Media Expo. 
and I'd never been before, and I went to Dragon Con to do the podcasting track to see what it was like, because they were looking, New Media Expo was looking to expand on what they were doing. They were very business-like, but they knew they were missing something. I pitched them the idea of just buying my ticket so I could go to Dragon Con, see what it was like, and I would... I'm very good at getting information. I'm very good at talking to people and, and reporting back the ideas and what I've seen, you know, all those stuff. So they said, absolutely, we'll buy your ticket, no problem. And I went and mostly just observed. I asked, as I do, I get up and ask questions at panels, those kind of things. And I did interviews with people and I recorded their thoughts on things and I reported back to New Media Expo and that was into that. Well, I got hooked. And the Dragon Con, right? I was like, this, this, there's magic here. There, there's great things going on. So the first year, I, or that was the first year. The second year, I, I submitted one panel. And it was podcasting past, present, and future. And I wanted uh, somebody actually couldn't push back on this a little bit. But I wanted to have uh, people who had just were there at the beginning, right? At that point, it was maybe 10 eight to ten years old so i said uh you know you had to have been doing eight years and clinton's like what now a long time i was like and this is how i read it. i don't know how clinton said it but how i read it, i was like that's that's gonna exclude a lot of people i'm like yeah but that's the point i need i personally my vision for this my vision for this was to get people who've been doing it for a long time to tell where we came from because that story is getting lost right the story and i love uh podcast legends Talking to people who've been doing it for a long time as well since before two thousand and eight, I think is the standard right now, um, because it, it's it's telling all the new people, all the people who are coming in now to this great field that we've helped shape. It's telling them where we came from and what we had to deal with and what we overcame to even get here. And nowadays it's magic. Nowadays you set up a Patreon, and if you hit the right audience, you're going to get paid. That <laughs> that didn't exist till two or three years ago. So anyway. Uh, we get a panel, and, and I don't remember if Clinton just didn't apply or if he didn't want to be on it, but he, he did say he had gone to this brand-new fest called Podcast Movement. And if I wanted, he would give a, a report on that. Like, absolutely, that'd be great. So even though we had the panel, we still had outside the panel, and he stood up. But see, that's the thing. He communicated. And if he had not even said, hey, I'd like to do this, I didn't know anybody that was at Dragon Con had gone to Podcast Movement. Podcast Movement was barely on my radar because it was the first year. I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't have the money to be a part of it. And while I was interested, I didn't follow that closely. And he gave an amazing report about where it was going and what it – I mean, honest. Here's where they kind of messed up. Here's where they're going to fix things. But I think it's going to be something worthwhile. And that panel just killed that year. I mean, got the highest reviews, not because of me, I'm saying, because all we did was communicate. I remember James, I think it's Kennison, was on there. Uh, Nobody's listening, NLCast. And it's James from NLCast. And he talked about how podcasting got him through depression. And uh, Craig Stepp and, uh, um, I know you know his name, Craig and uh, his partner, (laughs) Technorama, Crap, I feel so bad for forgetting his brain. I, I can see his glasses and everything, his haircut. I just can't pull his name out of my butt right now. Uh, they were on it, and they were talking about different experiences than I had. And I was talking about the experiences I had. You know, we had all these great people who had done it. And the room, I mean, even somebody like Tom Merritt was there, and who had come from a whole different path, right? Tom Merritt had come through, I think, MTV or BuzzFeed and had TV stuff and then kind of worked his way into uh, working with uh, Leo Laporte on on his channel and 
he was like, wow, I'm learning. You know, this is stuff I'd never heard of. And I realized Chuck Tomasi, thank you. Greg Stepan, Chuck Tomasi. Uh, but he, he it, it dawned on me that I was living in my sliver of world knowing what I came from in podcasting, knowing the history of podcasting, knowing a lot of the people who had really invested their time and energy into building what we do. And never dawned on me that people didn't know this. I didn't think we were going to spend a ton of time on the past. I thought we were going to do some on the past. Here's what we see going on right now. And then here's where we see the future going. And that's where I thought we spent most of our time. We spent most of our time in the past. Because people kept wanting to hear about that. And then, you know, really, Chuck talked about the future. Not Chuck. <laughs> Clinton uh, talked about the future. And of where the movement was going, where the community was going. And you're know, seeing that, that, that was was very interesting you know that helped me grab hold of what was where we could go and what we can do and how much i could influence and how little we actually know because i'm actually surprised nowadays get slightly offended when somebody's like yeah i do a podcast i've been doing it for a year and then you mention adam curry and they're like who you should at least know who facilitated you getting here if you have a career in radio I would imagine you know Thomas Edison, right? I'm pretty sure, could be wrong, because I know he did the movie camera stuff, but I'm pretty sure Edison invented the radio. Could be wrong, but I'm not in radio, right? But if I was in radio, I would expect to know where the who who decided to do syndicated radio, who helped, who helped make the path to what I'm doing today. You should know these things. And the fact that we, we want to forget our history means we forget our humanity. Before, I was thinking about this before the show today. Before we had TV and radio, we had parlors, right? That's what a living room was, is a parlor. And people would come by and they would talk. That's what you did. You would talk and have fascinating conversations. And, and yeah, sure, you'd have gossip sessions. I, I know human beings have always been human beings. You, you would have, you know, bitch sessions and gossip sessions. And you would also have stimulating conversation and I imagine some of the great creative ideas came out of just sitting around and talking and we've lost that right and I believe podcasting is bringing that back to a point we've lost the communication aspect we've lost respect for humanity go to any McDonald's and you'll see it now I have I played devil's advocate for people who work minimum wage jobs because it's a minimum wage job. And the phrase, I don't get paid enough for this, can apply very easily. But you go to most fast food chains. And there's going to be at least one person, if not more, who's just rude, who just doesn't want to be there that day, who's just, they don't care. You're going to get that person that you go, how are you breathing? Because you're too dumb to hit the picture button that says, give me my food. You know? And... The, Learning disabilities aside, you know, brain damage actually aside, there are people who have bought into the message because they were told all their life, you're stupid, you can't do that. That's communication, right? It's, it's we're just, you're a horrible person, you're stupid, you'll never be anything. That gets in and that blocks your ability to think. I, being the guy who goes and asks questions and hit buttons on everything to find out, okay, what does this do? What does this do? What does this do? And if I ask a manager whenever I've had a job, what does this do? And they don't know. I was like, well, can I hit it? Okay. And I hit the button to find out what it does because I need to understand what I'm working with. And that's my sliver of life. 
and I, I finally got past the, why the hell aren't you doing this? Who, why aren't you thinking like me, Faze? And realize people just don't. They don't think like me. They don't want to know. They just come in and expect life to be handed to them. And what really irritates me today with some of this is people calling millennials snowflakes. And people just call them the word millennials. It's such a dirty word now. And because it is such a dismissive, you have no value word to a generation. And while I, if you want to talk about specific points with specific people, yeah, there are definitely some entitled people out there. There are definitely some people who've been encouraged in the wrong way, who haven't been told what life really is. There are definitely people who look for problems. And if you call them a snowflake, you're probably very accurate with that. But in general, when we start putting labels on people, that's what the, the value we're assigning them. They're worth, right? That In our communication, that is the worth we're assigning them. That means they'll be nothing to us. And they get that, you get that, and maybe you miss an opportunity to work well with somebody else, to, to find new ideas. There's been many a company I've worked with. I host trivia and karaoke as one of my hustles, and one of my paying gigs. And... I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a business and the business is failing because the management is horrible at what they do. Communication. They don't tell, they don't tell their employees what they want. Maybe they don't even know what they want. Maybe they have no set goals. Maybe they just thought, Hey, I'll buy this franchise. Hey, I'll open this restaurant right here because I come past here every day. So therefore millions of people are going to come past here and eat. And where the truth is, people pass here to get to where they're going, not to come eat at your restaurant, whatever. You may, I learned the hard way in my early days of podcasting. Man, I had a number of shows. What I believe was fairly specific. It was about tearing down beliefs, about you know, challenging a topic. Uh, one of my favorites was stereotypes. And I had two jailers on. I had... Uh, some other kind of some other guys on from different walks of life, and we talked about stereotypes, and we had all sides of the conversation. It was kind of crossfire without the anger and talking over each other, and we we talked about why stereotypes happen and how so they're based in truth sometimes, but you know the reality is if you treat everybody like a stereotype, then you fail as a human being. But that 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 particular show had about thirty episodes, but it was it was kind of pointed. It was like we get a topic and we. Talk about the views on that topic. But the other shows were very pointless, if you will. You know, bear crawling when I did that. What's it about? Metal attitude means talk radio. Uh, brutal honesty uh, with a human connection. And these are, these are the taglines from that show that I did. And it really was me talking about my views on life. It was a, a very wide open version of this. Now this, where I got a podcasting is very more and more getting pointed every day. And I find it's about communication because Jesus Christ, we just don't talk to each other. And communication is all about listening. It's not about you telling exactly what you want. It's listening to how to get it. And that's all I ever do is I go and let me find that middle ground. That's why I'm great at hosting trivia and karaoke. Cause I walk into a business that cold and work with them on how to get things done. But going back to these businesses that are failing, they think, Oh, if I just, Bring in this trivia guy, and we'll have a game, and then my my you know everything will be great again. Now your business is failing because you're failing. 
your business is failing because maybe you should never have been in this business in the first place, but you're definitely horrible at communicating. You're definitely horrible at telling your people what you want. People will follow. You know, uh, many times, many times there's been uh, the phrase sheeple, right? Sheep people. Uh, It is so much easier to follow somebody else than to lead. It really is. I've done a lot of following in my life. I'm a natural born leader, and I just embraced that. Uh, trying to think of when. I guess when I was a paramedic, so about 15 years ago. I just embraced, okay, people are just going to follow me. I just, I got tired. I kept trying to find a career, a job even, that I could just be in. And by that, I mean just get in there, do my job. Hey, you did a great job. And let me, let me follow. And I, and I had difficulty finding good leaders. I Because things don't make sense. When, when you're a computer, internet-based company, and the server that you own goes down, that happens. And when your clients start calling up going, how come we can't access our reports? You tell me to lie about it. You tell me to just tell them we're working on things. It'll be here and then blah, blah, blah. Why? Why? Truth, man. The I know it's a religious saying, but the old saying is truth will set you free. Because that's not actually how the Bible verse reads. But the truth will set you free. People are human beings. And when you talk to them like a human being, instead of being a corporation with a faceless corporation, well, they pay you money. They want what they perceive their value of that money to be. Some people think that, what you do is gold. So their value is pure. You're valuable no matter what you do. Some people think that you're crap and they're overpaying for it and they're resenting the money they get to you. So the value will never be good enough. But that middle ground is the heart of your customers. That middle ground is the heart of your relationships. That middle ground is where you get everything you want out of life. And that middle ground is the people who look for value for value. And that comes in communicating. You communicate honestly with them. This is what we're going to give you for your money. This is what we're going to do. Besides the physical reports, besides the, the, the staff to answer the phones and help you out as soon as you need it, besides the sales staff, who is your, your personal salesperson, who you can call, and they'll come into your office and, and help train. They'll come into your office and help fix things. Besides all that, what you get it's people who care about what you're doing and who will give you quality and who will be there and you'll get the communication. That is where you get everything in life. Because I tell you, I, I told them that, well, you know, I warned you, it's not safe for work, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, tell, I told my bosses at that point, fuck off. I'm going to tell my people, because I had certain clinics that I took care of in this particular company that always came to me. I was the face of the company to them. And I would always been honest with them. And I was going to continue to do so. And they called up, I was like, look, the server went down. It's just, it died. It physically died. We've had people working for 24 hours solid. That is not an exaggeration. Second, it went down. We had backups in Florida. They got all the backups prepared, got them packaged up, which took a couple of hours. They got on an airplane. They're here now and actually putting everything in and getting it implemented. It's going to take them until tomorrow morning. And they will literally work here until that happens. And they did. And guess what? My clinics were happy. My clients were, oh, man, that sounds... Wow, okay, we appreciate you telling us. We'll just we'll just put a hold on everything and we'll check back tomorrow afternoon. Perfect. 
other clinic, we lost clients because other people did what the company told them to, and they just lied about it, and clients were like, this isn't good enough. We're gone. Communication will get you what you want. I wanted a happy marriage. I wanted a partner in my marriage. I've been married 17 years. And for the first couple, there were definitely issues. We felt about that on previous episodes. But that middle ground where we were growing and learning – there were so many times she assumed because that I would see the world her way. And I assumed she would see the world my way. Going back to my brother-in-law, I realized I didn't left that story hanging as well. See, I put a pin in the business one, finished that one up. Now I want to finish up the brother-in-law one. Kind of Henry Rollins-esque. If you've ever heard Henry Rollins does his, his, his live tours where he's speaking, doing the speaking stuff, that man is amazing. He blows my mind on how he'll start a story at the beginning, talk for two hours, and at the end of that story, and that end of that two hours, come back full circle to finish up the first story he started. And every story he told, even if he went off in a different direction, came back and finished. He's just amazing that way. I, I, I want to achieve that. I fall short sometimes on achieving that. But that's that's... I love that. So coming back to my brother, I was talking about he was trying to get custody of his kid. And I didn't understand the court systems. I didn't understand any of that. So my small sliver of life, my brain, very judgmentally and brutally and bully-esque even, told, uh, I believe she's my fiance at the time, but my wife, that he just needs to go do it. Just go to the court. You know, you don't understand. Now, this is also her and fear-based. You don't understand. The courts are just biased against men. They won't give men anything. Well, she was extreme on one side. I was extreme on the other going, bullshit. The mother is a horrible person who's a drug addict, and he's a dad with a job who just found out he had a kid at three years old. She hid it from him for three years and then just went one day, oh, hey, look, you have a kid. Didn't ask for anything. Didn't ask for support, but he instantly stepped up. He's got a job. He's got a house of his own. He's got everything going for him she's on drugs on government support and no job and no no cares in the world even now i'm like okay i would encourage it in a different way but i was like bullshit well turns out later i did get into the system with somebody else a friend of mine i went to court to support them and what they were doing and saw because they were a gay couple and because the dad was straight but it is it it it's a long story, but they, that's the short of it. The dad was trying to present himself as an upstanding member of society when he was a scumbag. And the, the, now the two moms, I guess, the, the one biological mother and then her partner who she's with, were gay. And this is a small town in, in southern Georgia, or in the south. is in middle Georgia. But uh, <laughs> I saw the judge basically not want to take the – lesbian side because they were lesbians but he had no legal standing so he basically kind of put it off on a different judge so i'm gonna refer this to such a case and i was blown away i my at that point that that whole world shattered like seriously the courtroom supposed to be justice how is that justice because you're a bigoted asshole you know whether you think gay is right or wrong you're a judge on the bench there was no law saying being gay was evil and that you should be put in in jail for it there's no law saying that gays couldn't have kids this was just a few years ago this is before the gay marriage became legal but and she was the biological mother so in in typical and even said well typically we give the mother custody but you know i'm unsure of the situation i was like i actually stood up in court it's like your honor can i say something he's like nope 
sit down. I sat down. But I was like, I was great. I was furious. Like, I cannot believe that this just happened. So part of my wife's fear was was probably sound. You know, it's, well, it's the mother and a, a child needs their mother, blah, 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 you know. Life is, is messed up. And that's the truth. Because humans mess it up. I don't blame TV for us not talking anymore. I was telling you about the parlor and how people had conversations. And now we've got TV and we've got internet. And we've got, oh, my God, social media, while it has definitely boosted my career and helped me. I'm, I'm on a social media platform right now doing a live show. There's also massive, massive detriment that it has brought. What it's done, social media has been the alcohol to humanity's soul. Follow me here. In your body, anybody who's been around people who drink, anybody who has imbibed in alcohol, right? You understand that alcohol turns up who you are or turns up the volume on what you're going through. And me, I'm happy to say, it makes me goofier. It makes me louder, which is not a great thing because I'm already a loud person. But it makes me just happy, right? I'm a happier, goofier person. Now, my jokes become stupid, really stupid. I have mean, really bad dad jokes, and, and I think they're hilarious the more I drink. And, and I do know my limits, and that's the other thing. A little side note, if you're going to drink, learn where to stop because that's important. And that is very rarely taught to people, it seems like. But I became a happy, get-along-with-everybody guy. Because I was afraid, because I did carry so much darkness and rage, especially when I first became of age to drink. I carried a ton of damage and rage. I was afraid that alcohol was going to turn up the volume on that. I did it anyway, because I was young and stupid, and who gives a shit, right? <laughs> but I, I absolutely could have become that that raging alcoholic. And, and fortunately, that was not who I was at my core of my being. So alcohol does that. If you're an asshole, it makes you worse of an asshole. If you're a chauvinist pig, it makes you worse of one. You know, it, it, alcohol doesn't change you. It just turns up the volume. I think social media has done that for the souls of humanity. So I grew up in the church in the South, and this is kind of my reference, but I think anybody should be able to pull out from this experience an experience of their own, you know, the neighborhood gossips, uh, the school teachers, the nuns at your Catholic school, uh, whatever. But I always knew going into a church, grow. And my, my dad was a pre. If you don't know, my dad was a preacher, and I literally grew up in the church. And I'd go in and I'd see just the, all the dark sides of everybody, because when you just attend somewhere, you might not be exposed to the little old lady who wants to complain about everybody, because she complains to the preacher. You might not hear the gossip. Because at least in my case, I was a kid. I was always off in the, the kid zone. Hold on a second. All right, had to burp. Got my coffee burps going on. So just trying to make it less gross for everybody. Uh, but I was sheltered, as kids should be, sectioned off, segregated in, in a non-ugly fashion of segregate. Basically, kids go to kids' church. So I'm not exposed to the, the adult drama. But being growing up in it and hanging out with my father all the time and this and that and the other, I saw it and I learned very quickly there's people in the church that don't like anything and and just just want to bitch about everything and the things they say were ugly and and as a kid I remember going, I bought into what the church was selling. I bought into God is love. That was the number one principle. Doesn't matter what else happens. God is love. 
And yet all these people in the church were unloving. <laughs> Politics, control, power, mouthiness, all that stuff came out there. And I found out very quickly that you're never treated like a human being by most people in a church. Then I found out later you're never treated like a human being by most people in a corporation. And while we accept that, here's the different levels of people, right? There's people who will look at somebody in a church or a business. But again, my stories are from the church. They'll sit in church and look, oh, you know, that girl, I, I, this happened. That girl, okay. I and mean, people were whispering and this and that. I was like, as a teenager, I found out, what, why is everybody whispering about? You're actually kind of pissed. Not that I'm here to listen to their preacher. I'm here to socialize. But I, I was beating me a decorum, right? If you go into church, you be quiet. And it was it was sometimes literally beating beat into me because as you know I have a hard time being quiet for any length of time for any reason that's just me <laughs> I have comments about everything usually funny ones so uh, I have a very bad habit of whispering I've learned to just shut it down and actually I learned that as an adult running shows uh, doing audio for shows and and working with people who are doing lighting and video is they'll get to talking and and the director will calm down. Because the point is, people can hear you. And if you got a cameraman in the audience and they're talking to you in the back room, the people around the cameraman can hear it and it's distracting and they're there to hear whatever it is you have to say. So I have a decorum. So it's bothering me that everybody's whispering. It turned out this girl had come to church and she had a big old hickey on her neck. And she was 14, 15 years old, I don't know. And everybody was basically being judgmental, making fun of her. And it pissed me off. It pissed me off on a human level that the people I was surrounding myself with, who I knew some of them smoked. I knew some of them liked to party. I knew some of them were a little slutty. They were judging this girl. And that, that, that is where social media has turned that up. Is it so easy to type stuff about the president, good or bad? It's so easy to mock things. It is so easy to find a cause to get behind it. Oh, my God, I can't believe this is going on. But you're not actually doing anything. And that's where social media has really... Turn up the volume on our souls as a society is that we don't talk anymore. When's the last time you personally felt like you had communication in social media? I saw somebody post the other day, and I'm not sure how true this is, but Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all time delayed now. Basically, you make a post, it goes to their server, they hold it, they archive it or whatever, and they, they everything's time delayed. Don't know why. In fact, don't even know if it's 100% true. But I do know that I see tweets show up that aren't direct messages that, are messages that I'm tagged in, show up a few hours later after I'm tagged in it. I do know Facebook posts that friends of mine make, that I would love to see and comment on. I start to comment on it, and then I realize this was posted two days ago. And I just now saw it. It's at the top of my list, like, brand new, right now. Oh, I want to be a part of that conversation. Wait, it's not a conversation anymore. 
more because that was a day ago, two days ago. And this is happening without our ultimate knowledge, right? This is happening. I've seen that effect at least. I've seen that effect to where it's on my Facebook page, but it had been posted a day, day and a half before that. And that, that means there is no communication there. When's the last time you felt like you actually communicated something in social media? I'm not saying get off of it. I'm not saying burn it to the ground. What I am saying is the heart of my whole show today. We get what we want when we say what we want. Use it how you want to use it. My wife is on Twitter because it got her free stuff. Because she would go to a company to get a coupon. It's like, oh, well, retweet this. The only reason she has a Twitter account at all is to hit that retweet button so she can get her dollar off coupon. And sometimes she's like, well, I feel bad. that that." I'm like, why? These are tools. Nobody can tell us how to use a tool. Nobody. Screws are meant for a screwdriver. I've hammered a screw into a wall before. I've used I've used a screwdriver to hammer a nail in uh, uh, um, a battery powered electric drill. I've turned around with the battery pack, just nailed the nail in because I didn't have anything else. Nobody can tell you how to live your life, but you're allowing that to happen all of the time, all of the time. Now we'll get into the school stuff, and it's a prime example. Let's talk about jobs for a second, though. All right, these got to go. I'm hearing the clicking. Our society has taught us that the person who has a job to give puts out their requirements. And on paper, we have to meet those requirements or we don't even get taught to. I remember, as a side note, affirmative action when it came around. Not understanding at the time all the discrimination that had happened. Growing up in a white family, in a Republican household, follow, they were following the Republican line. Oh, affirmative action. That just means we're giving more jobs to, to this, how it was said, to blacks and women. That, da, da, da. And I, I jumped on board, but only in this sense. Because once I figured out there's a lot bigger picture, I showed up about it. Once I figured out there's a whole lot more to the story, I showed up about it. And started researching what more was going on with the story. But my stance on affirmative action was that's ridiculous because my small sliver world, my small part of the world was I will always give the job to the best person. I don't care if you're black or white or Hispanic, male, female, gay or straight. I don't care. Are you the best person to do the job? Well, the thing was, most of the world doesn't think that way, at least not at that time. My parents sure as hell didn't. I made for a lot of uncomfortable situations in my household because I bought into what the church was selling. God is love. That means God doesn't see skin color. I don't see skin color. Okay, I see skin color. I don't care about skin color. Sex, any of that stuff. You just treat the human being as a human being. And I didn't understand it. it. Man, it was such a crushing blow to find out the world doesn't work that way. Is there are plenty of jobs that men controlled that a woman was great for. 
That, nope, you're a little lady. We can't have that. I saw that in 2000. And somewhere in the 2000s, a friend of mine, I was going to a mechanic shop, treated me perfectly well. Great. They treated me amazingly well. Finally had a relationship with somebody I could go in, talk to them, felt like they were telling me the truth about the car, not just some business, not somebody who's upselling me. Just say, this is what's going on in the car. I, I don't know. Can you help me? And I have very little money, so can you help me keep it down to the cost factor? And they understood, and they'd work with me. So I, I just sang their praises everywhere. And this female coworker of mine, you know, she needed a new tire, needed something like that. I said, yeah, man, they're just right down the block. They treat me so well. Prices are great. Go there. And she went in, and she came back pissed off, like, what the hell? They treated her like a dumb woman. I was like, seriously? No. What? And she said, no. I, I came in, and they treated me like I was stupid, and I forget what they told her. So, sure enough, I roll in. I said, oh, no, I'll go with you. No, that can't be. And I got off of work, or I went down, took a break, whatever. We went down there together. And sure enough, I roll in with her tire and her, and I see the reactions on their face. I'm like, hey, you know, I sent her down here. to, And I saw them kind of start treating her like dumb and, and realizing they'd made a mistake. And I was like, seriously? Seriously? You don't treat, you don't treat all customers like you treat me? Now, I didn't know what to say then. I was still in the early stages of rock godding it out. I was in bear calling days. So all I wanted to do was cuss them out and scream at them. And I knew that wasn't right. So I didn't know what to say. But what I should have said was, how, how in front of all their customers, how, how dare you treat me differently in a better way than anybody else? Shouldn't everybody get the same treatment I get? Because I'm definitely not putting like thousands and thousands of dollars in your business. There's literally nothing special about me other than a penis at this point. And while my penis is very special, <laughs> it does not warrant getting extra treatment at a job, at a, a, a business. So, I actually, my wife got it too. I mean, she, she, big nail in the tire. I was like, yeah, just take it down there. They'll patch it. She took it down there, and this guy told her there's no, nothing wrong with her tires, no nail in it, nothing. Just basically dismissed her because she's a woman. Literally. Just dismissed her. And she came back, took a picture, and we went back up there. Actually, I called Tony and said, this is some shit, man. She's coming back up there. She's going to tell you exactly what happened. And we've got – I'll text you the picture right now if you want it. But this is some bullshit. And sure enough, I mean, Tony, being the owner, he apologized. He worked with it. And he doesn't, he doesn't treat people like that. He treats everybody equally from what I can tell. But there's something in the hiring of people. There's something in your communication that is lacking because your people do this. And if your people do this, somewhere they think it's okay to do that. I'm not saying, you know, you know what I'm saying? To the leaders out there, this is where I'm just getting real talk. Fuck it. Let's get some real talk going on. If you, as a boss, want something done this way, of course, you have to do it yourself. You have to treat it this way. But if you see your people doing something outside of what you want, you have to talk to them about it. You have to draw lines in the sand. And it's very difficult to do. And something I told my wife that applies to everything I do now. We do it our way because our way is the right way. Why do I know that? Because it feels good. 
And I'm going to talk about that in a second with the schools and, and the communication there. But we do it our way because our way is the right way because it feels good. In my business, Giant Size Team Up Network is my business. Plus, Charles McFall LLC really is my business. And, you know, so I do the stuff individually. I do the stuff with the company. But I have people underneath me. And while I will be your friend and I love you, and I, I've talked about this, business relationships versus personal relationships. And hello, Laura. Thank you for joining. I talked about all of that and how I wanted my thing to go. I don't care. When it comes down to doing the job, the job's important, and I have lines, very clear lines of how I want things done. I communicate those lines constantly. And even my children, who do help me, my oldest two, go with me to some trivia. Yeah, communication is my business. It is, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> my my two older kids go to trivia with me. Uh, my daughter, because my son just kind of gave up. He didn't really want to. He wasn't that interested. But my daughter will go with me some Sundays because she's learned the tech on how to set up the Sunday broadcast and when my partner there has to be out like he was out this past sunday because he was going to visit his mom in indiana or illinois or somewhere and i i asked her to come along because i needed her as she says i mean she came and she did and there was an issue and i yelled at her for it just like i'd yell at anybody it's like i i've told i've told everybody i work with i love you and here's what I want. And, I, and when I'm happy and energized, all day long, I'll tell you with a smile, hey, this is the better way to do it. This is the better way to do it. But when I've told you how to do it, when i told you what I want, and especially when it's early morning and i got to get things done and I don't have my coffee fully in me and I'm waking up, it's going to come out, get the fuck out of the way. Because I don't have time for this shit. I just don't. I, I want no time for this shit. I want you to step up and do what you're supposed to do. That applies to everybody. I don't yell at my daughter and then be nice to other people. I don't yell at other people and be nice to my daughter. Everybody's treated the same. And it's that same way in my business with a, a giant size team up. I will love you. I will be friends with you because you and I have connected on a certain level. We are friends. But if you don't toe the line with your show, if you don't do what I need you to do to get my vision to happen, to take us where we all said we wanted to go, if you're going to pull away from that vision, you got to go. Love you, man. Come over to my house anytime we'll have dinner. But you won't fucking work for me no more. Because I have a very clear vision of where we're going. I communicate that vision constantly. And if you pull away from that, you pull away from that. There's no special treatment. Communication is the heart of all of this. This is where I'm building into how we get what we want of our life by talking about it. Angie, who's not here right now, uh, Angie, Nolan, uh, I'm trying to think of the longest people that listen to this show that I've known. Uh, I think Nolan and Angie are the two people who have known me the longest that possibly listen to the show uh, on podcast. They've heard the bear crawling show. They know the, some, the stuff I talked about on the bear crawling show is coming about now. Uh, they they know that I've always had this vision where they might not have understood the vision, but they never tried to poo-poo it, where I, I, I talked about basically what I'm doing now to a point. And I know there's so much more to go and do, but to have the, the fans of my own, to have that that influence over the world, to have the ability to be recognized for what I do, to talk, to give speeches, to be on the main stage, I talked about that 10 years ago. Hell, I probably talked about that 12 years ago. I've always I've always been somewhat of a believer of my own hype. 
And that's that's you know how in different places like People Magazine and websites you'll get like a drive-by quote of uh, overheard this week or something like that where you know somebody says what what one piece of advice you got? I really say my one piece of advice is believe your own hype. Believe your own hype. Talk about yourself in the best possible light and fucking buy into it. That's my drive-by piece of advice. And communication is all about that because I've always said this is where I want to go. Now I started listening. I only had half of the communication, right? I had the mouth. I've always said this is who I am. I'm the bad But I didn't listen. And it became a problem with me and Hugh. I've told that story before. Very quickly, the idea is Hugh was a co-host on one of my first shows. And it was doing well. And I was talking about this is where I want to go. And he would always pull back, slow down, you know, let's, you, you got a cart before the horse. And I would always say, no, man, big stage, rock star, rock out of podcasting. That's who I am. And he was always like, yeah, it's fine, but I just don't think that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm happy if two people listen. Well, I'm not. I'm not happy. Well, okay, that has changed, actually. You know, uh, this show, this particular show, the downloads for the podcast, are fairly low comparative to my other shows. But the number on that, and I, I'm not going to worry about the actual number, and if you want to know, I, I can find, email me, and I'll tell you, whatever, message me on Facebook. Twitter's at RockGotAPod. Email is uh, RGOP at CharlesMcFall.com. BearCalling is email.com. Whatever, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. But while it's low comparatively, the number, the, there was a panel, I referenced it many times at DragonCon one year by Justin Robert Young, and I think Tom Merritt was on it, and Nicole Spagnola, and Brian Dunaway. But it was, nobody's listening to your show and why that's okay. And he talked about, oh, you want to cry about having 10, 10 downloads a week. But if 10 people showed up at your house every week to hear what you had to say, it'd blow your mind. And my numbers is more than that who download the show. But what I love about Facebook is it really gets out there. You 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 all spread love, and I'm, I need that, and I love that, and thank you. And it's much more significant numbers there than than on the podcast. But the point is, yeah, we may be small, but we are fierce, is what Laura says. Um, the point is, I'm never satisfied with good enough. And that's who I'm cut out to be. And I wasn't listening to Hugh when he said, this is who he is. He didn't want to go with me on that vision. I was trying to build a vision with two different directions. And I wasn't listening. So I had the mouth part of communication down, but I didn't have the listening part of communication down. Now I try to do both all the time. And that's important. And you constantly have to reevaluate. I mean, I see Carl Dodge just jumped in. BC Dodge just jumped in. And... Surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, I'm always talking to him in very plain English about what I expect and what he's doing great and how how he, how we worked well together. And we don't just have those conversations. We have we just talk about life and our wives and and our, our playstations and you know we connect on so many different levels because that's communication. And for the longest time, I wanted him to work with me on what I was building, and I didn't know how to pitch it until the day came when I heard him clearly say what he wanted out of life. And I knew I could absolutely give that. And so I pitched him, and he's like, yep, let's do that. You know, because I finally gave it enough time to hear what he had to say. 
believe in your own hype, but you have to listen to see what's coming back. Because I'm about to tell you the negative side of believing your own hype, and that's public schools. And that's what's going on right now. We had issues last year. Uh, we had issues two years ago with a teacher. Uh, last year, I mean, we've just, and yeah, no, last year we had an issue with the teacher as well with my son about communication. And the first year I went in, uh, we were having issues, things were going on. We went in, my wife thought this teacher was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. She met her at open house and, oh man, she's so great. And this, and that. No, she's a bullshit artist and a bad one because your, your lies come out. I mean, you can lie and be nice for a second, but we're going to spend a year with you. Your shit's going to stink. Very quickly, and it did. And we had a sit-down meeting with her and the principal at the time. And I said, I came in very nice. We, we want to know if my son's fucking up, basically. We want to know where the problem lies. And I opened it up with, what I do for a living is I communicate. And that's all I said. I didn't talk about the podcast. I didn't explain all the hosting. But what I do for a living is I use my words. I communicate. And we're very, my wife and I are both very invested in my son's education. So we will work with you hand in hand. We will talk with you. We want we communication. And the teacher couldn't even look me in the eye. She was I mean, I'm over exaggerating the hand motions, but I mean her hand was I'm like, oh fuck. This is gonna be bad. Because you can't even look me in the eye to talk to me. I don't know if it's your, if you're racist. I don't know if you're you have social anxiety. I don't know if you don't like your authority being challenged, but guess what? You you have no authority here. I have all the power. And what was funny is is I knew that. So there was no anger. There was no yelling. I just went in. And my wife said a bunch of stuff, too, because she understood that as well. We have the power. We are the parents. We have the power. And the school does not know how to handle that. And this is still two years ago. I'll get to the stuff going on now. But the school system does, because the school system is set up to be babysitters. And they buy that hype. They believe what they've been told of we mold young children's minds. And many, many parents let that happen. Because many, many parents are horrible human beings. No, let me take that back. Let me rephrase. Many parents, many humans don't understand the principle I'm talking about right now of your way is the right way. You've bought into a job. I started talking about this earlier, right? I own the job. I'm offering a job. You better line up and do it exactly my way. I know I got off on affirmative action and this and that and the other. And I'm not, I'm not against affirmative action. I understand why there was a need for it. God damn, I hate that there's still a need for it today. Because it should be, hey, these five candidates are the best for their job. And you've got a wide range of female, male, gay, straight, and race. And now you're going to sit down and you're going to talk with them and who fits the best. Well, it turns out the Asian lesbian works best for you. Hire her. But you know what? That doesn't always happen today. It just doesn't. And it can go the other way. It can be the white man doesn't get the job. But we know. I know. I I will get more jobs than, say, Laura Pooter, who's a white woman. Just because I'm a man. That sucks. Anyway, point is, I own the job. I'm giving it. And you have to match these. People ask for the most ridiculous bullshit for resumes. You have to have a master's degree. Why? I'm applying for a minimum wage job at the library to check out books. Boop. Here you go. Boop. Here you go. 
Why do I have to have a master's degree? Oh, but they wanted it. They fucking wanted it. And it was ridiculous. Who the fuck takes minimum wage with a master's degree? Oh, my God. Anyway, we have that today. We have that going on. And so, as a parent in the school system, you've bought, you, you, you bought into the lie that they, they, being the corporate overlords, because I had it, and when you're face-to-face, it, it falls apart so quickly. But this is the faceless they right now. I have the job. You're lucky enough. You're, we're in a recession. You're lucky enough to have this job. You're fortunate to be part of it. Bullshit. And they told me that to my face. Oh, oh, you know, you're fortunate. Fuck you. I said, fuck you. I was looking for a job when I found this one. I'll go get another job. We need each other. I said, make no bones about it. I don't think I'm special. I think you could fire me today. And your business would still go on and you still get stuff done. And I would get another job. But we, in this job, we are helping each other. I am your equal. You pay me, you give me the system to work within, you give me the ability to do my job to the best. I bring all of my skills, my talents, my communication, my ability, and we click. Cogs have to be equal to turn. If you think you're the big cog and I'm the little cog, it ain't going to turn. So many, many human beings have bought into that of, just go do my job. And unfortunately, some people can... Only string together part-time jobs. So unfortunately, some people can only put it. I can't even do that. Let me just be clear. No judgment here. I can't even do that. Right? I can't get a part-time job. I've tried. I've put out for a number of full-time jobs that fit my field of communication. They fit my field of podcasting. Those kind of things. Haven't made it anywhere with that. But I'm doing okay on my own. Hosting the trivia, doing the karaoke, having some clients I do web work for. Uh, definitely, you know, the, the po- some of the podcasts are coming through and paying some money. Um, EMSU, EMS Underground, which will be tomorrow afternoon, because uh, that's Thursdays at 2.30. That pays me. You know, I, I do okay putting myself together, but by no means think, oh, my God, I can't even get a full-time job. No, 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 no. We're going to get to the get-what-you-want part. Stick with me here. But I can see where there's some parents who – they're just doing the best they can to put money on the table, put food on the table. Some people define themselves. Because, see, we all carry this baggage, and I don't have time to dive into it. I've dove into it a lot of times. But we live out of our own messages. The communication that was put into us, the damage that we had, that we carry. And we have that. So we, we a lot of times as human beings, we don't even realize what we're doing, what we think is okay. The standard, the standard TV thing, right? The dad won't tell the kids he loves them. Well, they know I love them. Why? I put a roof over their head. I put food on their table. No, they're kids. They think that's what you're supposed to do because you are their parent. And even in nature, fucking birds and bees do that shit, man. Dogs, yeah. Mama dogs are very protective. They will make sure their puppies are fed. Now, once their puppies start eating on their own, whatever, I don't know what happens. Some dogs abandon them, maybe. Some stick with them all their life. Who fucking knows? Somebody, ain't me. I don't care. You're digressing way too much. I fucking know. I'll get back to the point. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My point is, as a parent, 
Communication comes in the words and the actions that you do. Yeah, I put food on my kid's table. Yeah, every once in a while I have to remind them, you technically don't own shit. I bought it all. So, And that's only in the times when they're like, to their siblings, that's mine. All right, we've talked about this. We've talked about sharing. We've talked about the appropriate way to communicate. No, we've given you power of rights, saying, no, it is his. If you don't ask him, you can't have it. And he has the right to say no. We've taught them how to be human beings. And that's all I'm ever working on is how to make you a great human being, especially to your siblings. But there's those times when you just snottily, oh, no, 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 no. Let me remind you, you think you're going to get shit attitude about it? You didn't pay for that. I did. But I started this thing with my kids when they were really little. Because I thought it would be hilarious to see a three-year-old do the I'm watching you thing to somebody. And while that actually never happened, I started with the kids. Especially um, my daughter, for some reason, had nightmares uh, for a while uh, as a young kid. And two things helped her. One, she had a TARDIS as she was watching Doctor Who with me. And she's four or five at the time uh but she got the concept the doctor saves the day and she had this plush tardis that you squeeze it and it does the noise and lights up the little light and, and so i tell her uh you know hey you know the doctor the doctor's always got you right my parents grew up telling me jesus has always got you and for a kid it's the same damn thing i don't care how religious you are you don't understand god you don't understand this so you buy into the to the stories not saying they're not real. I'm just saying as a kid, you buy. They're all stories to you as a child. So I use that. But the other thing I told them was like, I've got my eyes on you, which also sounds a whole lot like I love you, which I still tell my kids that all, all the time. But I put them in the bed and almost every night, they see you know, eyes on you, love you, man, go to sleep. You know, for boys and love you, ladies, for the girls. And if I forget, they'll be saying it to me. And that's something that has stuck with them. So they know at any time, and I try to rectify the damage I do. Anytime I get angry and yell at them and do damage with my emotional shotgun, I try to repair that, I try to fix that. I apologize. It's still going to leave marks on them. It's still going to define parts of their path of who they are and how they choose to react to that is their choice, but it is the damage I inflicted. And while I can't make that go away, I try to heal. I come in with... I'm sorry, I never should have said it this way. Here's what I was mad about. Here's why I'm mad. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Let me come at a different tactic. So the stuff you get on the show here with the stories and the end rounds and the point A to B, I do that with my children as well. But most parents don't, right? Most parents, uh, we are human beings. We are designed. Fight or flight is built into our DNA, right? That is how your system works. It is self-preservation. We are designed to be self-focused. I hate the word self-centered, even though that is exactly who we are, and that's who we should embrace. People have used that as such a name. Don't be so self-centered. I'm sorry, maybe you should be more self-centered. In fact, fuck it, I'm taking that back. We are self-centered. Because that's who we're born to be. Because if you can't take care of yourself, airlines goddamn get it. Put your mask on first before you help somebody else. Emergency medicine gets it. Scene safety, take care of yourself, because if you don't, you can't help anybody else. Yet, when it comes to everyday life, being self-centered is a bullshit thing. We fight against it, and fighting against who we are in our core being fucks our lives up. 
And the school system capitalizes on that. Because as a teacher, I'm assuming you're told you're shaping minds. There's this. And we know. I'm sorry, unless you're in some huge form of idiotic denial, there is a massive level of babysitting that goes on in the school system. Let me just tell you some numbers. Georgia, the state of Georgia requires four and a half hours of schooling every day. I know this because my kids went to online public school. It's Georgia Cyber Academy, legit service, and the state money goes to fund them just like regular public school. They provide, they have to do certain things. Four and a half hours is all they required every single day to be in compliance. Now, there's a certain number of hours for the year for subjects as well to hit. But when I go, holy crap, our, our, our oldest kid is going to public school and he's there for eight hours. What What the hell? Well, okay, yes, there's logistics, right? Getting the kids there, having time for all the bodies to move in and get to their seats. But then 45 minutes per class. I mean, there's lots of wasted time. There's lots of extra shit that goes on. And then there's after-school programs. There's other stuff. And some of these kids just get babysat. And we had a teacher last year. My wife is still so pissed off about this. Rightfully so. We had a couple conversations with this teacher. This is the one that I got on one of my shows. I forget which, but I told the story. You're telling me that you think my child is learning from his mistakes when you give him 30 seconds to walk across the room and file that paper that you marked up wrong. You're an idiot. I came short of calling her an idiot because ultimately when I'm in a meeting, until I know things are done, and when it's done, I'll just fucking let you know you're a fucking idiot. I don't care. I know this isn't going anywhere. This deal is done. Fuck you. you and I'll just break you down. But I'm, my whole goal, I stayed on point. My point was I want my son to learn. How can I help you do that? And she was a fucktard. And she, uh, so the first meeting I went to, the other teachers basically shut her down. Told, basically... In a professional way, basically told her to shut up because she was she was being stupid. She was fucking stupid. I don't know how the goddamn hell she's got a teaching degree or that she's even fucking teaching in this school. Because I'll get to a point in a second. But they were like, oh, no, no, no. Here's this. Here's that. Here's what's going on. And I'm like, that, that's all I need. That's all I need. And I will make a stink about it because guess what? You have no power. I have all the power. When it comes to my child and your school... I'm the ultimate authority. Don't give a shit what you say. Because that's the law. <laughs> that's the law, man. And with education being such a big deal in politics in, in, in society, don't make me CC Fox 5 or I-Team or any of that, or the school board for that matter. And I've learned you put everything in writing. We've, we went through that in the, in the first year. But this teacher, so there was a second meeting because my son <laughs> – it is on him. I'll give him that. But I don't know how, to, as my point to her is, I don't know how to help him if I don't see what he got wrong. If you're not sending home the homework that he messed up or the tests that he failed, I can't help him. And you're doing nothing to help him. So this is untenable. This is what that means. This, we're, no, we will do better. But, 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 nope, no buts. We will do better. So we're in this together. And so... There was another meeting because we, we spent some time. We were helping him. His grade dropped 10 points from one report card to the other. 10 points. What the hell? Why are we just hearing about this now? And I couldn't go to that meeting, so my wife went to that meeting. And in that meeting, 
They teach us, oh, well, there's this one where he got like a 30. But I bumped him up to a 60, so that wouldn't be so horrible. And my wife like, what did you just say? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she thought it, the teacher thought it was okay. The teacher thought it was great. No, I'm cheating for your kid so that he doesn't fail out of the class. We were done with her at that point. We were done. We went to the principal and said, if he fails, we will take this school down. And I don't mean we need you to pass him. I mean, you better get us some shit in our hands to fucking get his his skill level up. And the school still didn't help us. We actually went to Con. Con works pretty good. And you have to stay on top of what you want. Any good business. Watch Shark Tank for an episode or two. And you'll start seeing a, a uniformity, maybe not in the words, but in the, the spirit of the questions they ask. They always ask about debt. They ask about how much you're in your business. Sometimes they'll pass because they say, you don't have a product. You are your business, and we can't grow that. You know, those kind of things. Work. But it, even, in, even in Apple, right, Steve Jobs got fired. Apple declined. Now they still came out with products. They still innovated some, but they declined, and the rise of PC took over. That's why you will see tons of different PCs, you know, Windows units on the shelf when you go buy a laptop or a desktop. And now, and only in the last couple of years, do you see Apple products on the shelf. Partially because how the company wanted to do it, and part, but partially because nobody wanted Apple. They didn't understand how Apple worked. Steve Jobs comes back, and then we get the iPhone and the iPod and, you know, uh, who knows, a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Because he was always in touch with what the company needed to do. He was always on top of the meetings. He was always touching base with everybody. And those are your successful companies. Look at the people who have successful kids. Now, I get told all the time, my kids are great. They do this. They do that. And when I go, I know. <laughs> I know my kids are great. And it does help me with my perspective being on top of them all the time. Yeah, I know. And then he dies. Steve uh, Jobs did, yeah. And now we don't know where Apple's going to go. I mean, that's been the biggest thing. We'll see. It could, as long as somebody does what he does, has a vision of where it needs to go and stays on top of it and touch with it, not thinks, well, this is what the audience needs. Because his statement, right? Steve Jobs is, one of his famous quotes is, my job is to know what the world needs before it even knows what it needs. My job is to not to find out what you want, but to tell you what you want. And on the surface, you go, holy crap, that's egotistical selling bullshit. But no, in reality, what it is is nobody knew they needed an iPhone, an iPod. It started with the iPod. Nobody knew they needed a small device to listen to music until, oh, wow, we, we did need that. that. That's pretty damn amazing. You know, nobody knew they needed a phone that could really get on the Internet and do all kind of crazy cool stuff until all of a sudden, oh, and now we can't live without them, right? That's, that's all we're ever doing is on that. But the, the school system, the teachers seem to think that I am the ultimate power. I have to do this. I control my room. And a lot of school systems, I've actually known people. I've had good luck with trying to work this on me. But I've had people pull out of the school system and homeschool because as much as they tried to be involved parents, basically the school system said, we don't want you here. You're not welcome. Now, and all aspects of what we've touched on, my wife and I, with the school system here in Georgia, is, no, you can be a room parent. We, we encourage the, the stuff. So it's been, at least outwardly, it's been, no, we want you to be a part of this. 
But yeah, tell me, tell me I'm not allowed there. Tell me you don't want me there. Let's see how long you last in your job. So what's going on right now? And what I told my wife and why I'm on a mission. I mean, I really am. This is my heart. This is, no, this is, this is what we're going to do is, uh, my son is in the same school. He was in sixth grade last year. He's in seventh grade this year. So it's middle school for us here in my area. So first through fifth grade, actually pre-K through fifth grade is in elementary school. Uh, six, seven, eight is in middle school. Uh, some places might call it junior high. I don't know. Then high school is nine, 10, 11, 12. And they have football, but only you cannot start sixth grade. You can only do seventh and eighth grade football. And there's been other things that go on, but I'm going to focus on the football thing. And so my wife and I are always on top of the meeting. My son's been wanting to play football forever. And ever since last year when he found out he could this year, that's all he's talked about. So we're on top of where, when are the meetings, when are you going to talk to the parents, where's the paperwork we even uh, asked. Well, there was no real meeting. They had a sales pitch at the end of class one day. Didn't invite the parents. Just told all the kids, oh, come play football. Here's the, the papers. Take them out. And it's just a flyer basically saying come play football. Nothing about the process, nothing about the cost. And then we did get a calendar that said, okay, we're going to start conditioning on these days. You know, they show up at this time on these days. That's it. No, well, how do you try out for the team? How long are the tryouts? Because teams make cuts. That's football 101. Teams make cuts. How do you try out? Nothing. How much is it going to cost us? Nobody says. So finally, my wife as conditioning starts, and this is before the school year starts, she calls up the coach. I can't remember if she emailed first or just called him, but she finally talks to him. She's like, we don't know anything. You're not telling us shit. What is going on? And they said, well, it's $250 for the football program. That goes toward, what does that go to? Well, that goes to his travel and gear. Okay. All right. Well, what does it do? Well, we'll let you know when it's due. All right. Well, didn't talk about cuts. Didn't talk about anything else. Just here's the schedule. Oh, no communication. And this is actually a universal thing to all the teachers and all the kids. They seem to think, other than in pre-K, and I haven't had it happen in kindergarten. My, my youngest son's in kindergarten. My youngest daughter's in pre-K this year. But, in, for, so it only applies to four, uh, fourth, fifth, no, fifth, sixth, seventh grade right now. Because that's the only experience we've had with public school. Is my son, Oakland, his teacher seemed to think that just telling him Hey, blah, 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 could tell your parents, works. Now, we are the parents that see our kid right after school. Many people don't. Doesn't matter. There's been times he forgets to tell messages. There's times he forgets there's paperwork in his backpack. Yesterday, the first day of school, uh, or right before school, he was given a packet of information. No, first day he was given, here's some pa- new paperwork. You got to fill it out, sign it. My wife did. She filled out, signed it. Had My son had to sign it too. He signed it. She put it in his hands. He put it in his backpack. That's first day of school. Second day of school, yesterday, he comes home. and's like, hey, I need that paperwork to turn into my science teacher. Oh, uh, and my wife's like, uh, she lit into his ass. I, I did it there. I, in fact, I put off what I wanted to do, and I did that, and I handed it to you. What the hell? They start looking all over the house. It's nowhere in the house. They look in his backpack. It's not in his backpack. Oh, yeah. I forgot I turned it in today. He's 12 years old. Puberty's hitting. His brain is getting scrambled. Before that, of course, he was 11. Before that, he was 10. They are children, 
in an environment with other children who we should learn from because as children, they gravitate towards what feels good. So they want to hang out with their friends. They want to have the fun teacher. Anything that's work, they resist. Now I'm teaching him to get pride in good work. I'm teaching him to go, no, 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 trust me. Man, if you lean into this math and you do it well, you will feel great about yourself no matter what the score on the paper is. I don't expect you to be a math genius like I was. I do expect you to do your best. And when you do your best and that 70 is on the paper, I'm proud of you, man. You fucking passed. And that should feel good. So I'm teaching them feel good by doing adult things. But these teachers think it's okay just to tell kids of any age. Blah, blah, blah. They think it's okay to have a meeting for parents and tell us blah, blah, blah. No handouts or nothing. I've been the first one in the meeting to stand up and go, uh, do you have this written down somewhere? Well, no. Then I'm leaving because there's no point to this. If you want me to understand it, basic business practices is, if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. Basic legal practices to a point are... If it's in writing, it's way more important than anything that is said. But you don't think it's so you don't think you need to write down shit for adults. Fuck you. You don't want then here's the basic principle. Well, I I, I put in notes here. How you get what you want by talking about it. If you don't think it's important enough to communicate, you will never get it. Because it ain't important enough for me to take time out of my life to do shit for it. If you don't think it's important enough to take five minutes to make a bullet point flyer. It doesn't have to look beautiful. It doesn't have to be awesome. It just has to tell me what you want and what you expect. If you don't think it's worth that time, then why would it be worth my time to do it? If you don't think, and this is, this is for me, if you don't think it's worth the effort to put a written mission statement for your company so that everybody in your company knows exactly where you want to go and has a written document to refer back to you to say that this is what we expect out of everybody. This is the heart of what we're doing. If I don't think that's important, why would anybody ever be a part of my company and want to work with me? Because I'm not building something. I refuse to build something that's just about hiring people and offering pay and benefits. I'm building a goddamn dream. I'm building an empire. I'm building a legacy. And I need people to be on board with me to do that. I need, I want this to be the next Microsoft-ish. I want this to be the next, uh, uh, what is it, Harpo Incorporated, uh, Oprah Winfrey's company. Because you need not only people who get the vision. I don't know who works for her now. I, I and For the Microsoft story. You know, it was about getting people to buy in. The janitors got stock and got little pay, but got stock. And they believed in the company. They bought into the company. And had, when they lasted long enough, they all were millionaires. That's what I need. But if I, if I choose to never bother to communicate that verbally, or especially to write it down so you can find it any time and remind yourself of what's going on, why would you ever care enough to put any kind of effort into it? And that's the problem we're running into with the school. My son has been doing football practice for a little while now because they started practice before school starts. And on the first day of school, 
and it's, I don't know, 15th, 20th day of practice. He comes home going, oh, they said I had to buy the stuff. And we're like, uh, no. You know, uh, we need more information. No flyers. No, hey, this is this is what your kid's going to need if he's going to be on the team, whatever. None of that. Just you need to go buy this stuff. No. Because you need to communicate to me, not to my kid. Because my kid has no money. That's sales 101. You talk to the person with the money. You sell the person with the money. Car salesmen have that all the time, right? Uh, well, at least this was a, a – oh, let me call it an old wives' tale, a fable tale, a fairy tale, if you will. A fable. Fable is what I'm looking for. Of the wife wants the car and you're selling the wife and she loves it. And the husband has the money. He's like, no, no. Well, one tactic is to get the wife to fall in love. The wife manipulates the husband, right? You get the money. That's no value. That's a they will never come back in shop here again sale is what that is. Then there's the one that, I mean, uh, my wife's grandfather was notorious for negotiating prices. And, you know, people would always take him. Your family members would always take him with them. And even though he wasn't necessarily paying for it, he treated it like it was his money. So he worked the best deal he could, period. And now he's in my in the camp that I believe is is the wrong side. Of he he tries to hurt you. He wants to see you hurt a little bit, and then he got a good deal. That's not the definition of a good deal. Point is though, you had to deal with him. It doesn't matter how much my wife loved because the story she told when he went with her. It doesn't matter how much she wanted the car. It doesn't matter how much she loved it. He didn't care. It was about the deal. So you had to work with him on it. Either way, you work the person with the money. And if you want us as a school to to do more for you, you got to talk to us. They did that. The school as a whole did that ahead of time with Liz going, hey, this is what we need for the rooms. And, hey, these are the supplies that we require, which uh, don't even get me started on that bullshit. But they, they at least put out written flyers, communicated, hey, this is what we need. Please help us out. All four teachers, all four homeroom teachers for all four kids did that. The football coach can't be fucking bothered. So then, so the first day, my son comes home and says that he has to buy this stuff. And we're like, we'll, we'll, we need more information. That's not good enough. The second day, yesterday, he comes home and says, oh, they're making cuts Thursday, and I have to have my gear by Monday. Well, guess what, son? We're going to wait to see if you make a goddamn team before we spend any money on it. And I still want the fuck to know. I want to know what the fuck my $250 gear is going towards if I have to go buy more gear on the outside of it. No, you're a school system. I pay you the money. That money should cover it's fucking football. It should cover a helmet, shoulder pads, pants. Now, I get having to buy him all, his own personal protection, whatever. But the God, everything else, the pads, the pants, the pads go in. The uh, uh, shoulder pads, the helmet, the jersey. That should be covered under the program. If it's not, what the fuck are you doing? And, yeah, Laura, there's a you should already know. That's the sliver. And that's one, that's, that's, so my wife was talking about this. About last night, she was just having a moment where she was talking about she's so frustrated with the lack of communication. She's so frustrated that every time she tries to do something, to have the kids do something, you know, she takes action to have them have an ability to do something. Then all of a sudden, this more money, more. And I told her last year, or maybe in the first year, 
uh, we paid stuff up front. And then, sure enough, I said, they come with their hands out. Fuck them. We're not paying a dime. And sure enough, they did. They kept coming back. The school, the classroom, the teachers. Oh, well, well, we got this other event coming up. Now, we knew about the event. They gave us a calendar saying this event's coming. Nowhere did they say it's going to cost you 50 bucks. And so they came with their hand out. And I said, nope. Fuck them. No. Because communication. You knew this event was coming. You knew it was going to cost money. You didn't say a goddamn thing about it. And fuck you. We don't live the life of swipe the card and take de- crippling debt on just to make you happy. Go fuck yourself. And I flat out told him that without cussing. I thought I had a conversation with teachers going, no, you're not getting another dime from us because you are piss poor at communication. And I told you at the beginning of this year, my life is communication. My livelihood is communication. And you failed. So you get nothing. And so last night she was just so angry about this thing with the coaches and and frustrated because she wants the kids to do stuff. And she knows, even if there's stuff to sign up Crosby or Ryland or Zoe, you know, find stuff for them to do, that this will happen again. I said, fuck it, we're done. I said, pull, I said then pull them out. But I wanted to do stuff. And I said, I'm done with you being mad. And I made it clear I was not yelling at her. I said, you have a right to be mad. You have every, but I'm fucking done with it. I'm fucking done with you trying to do Something good in this world. Give an experience that should be a great experience in this world for a kid that they're providing and have it ruined every single time by their lack of communication. So here's what I'm going to do. And I, after I get off the show, I'm going to go upstairs and do this. Oh, shit. I got to get my daughter. I got to wrap this up. All right. Uh, fuck. So anyway, I'm going to write in and say, hey, you don't communicate. You don't get anything. There, It will take you five minutes to make up a bullet point sheet that says this is what we need to do. That's it. So, all right, I had to cut this short uh, because I'm supposed to pick up my daughter to go do an eye exam, and I missed the time here. But if you don't take the time to communicate what you want, why would anybody ever do it? And my wife had that issue, too, with me. Well, you should be able to see there's dirty dishes. Yes, should never fucking matters. Football coach go, well, you should know this about football. This is what should never fucking matters. And why should I actually in the football range when my son has never played football in his life? I didn't grow up in the football program. Why should I know anything about it? No, if it's important to you, you need to communicate it. And that's where I'm going to leave you. Hit me up on all the social media. Uh, Rockgodapodcasting.com has the, uh, you can email there. You can leave a speak pipe message there. Thank you all for coming out live. Sorry for being a little abrupt here because uh, I just looked at the clock and went, oh, crapola, um, I got to go. So tune in, subscribe to the podcast. Let, you know, help me out there. I would really appreciate you. Uh, what do you need to know to successfully? Uh, it went to the wrong thing. It's playing wrong. I was like, what is that noise? Oh, you decided to, uh, for some reason, jump to a different thing. Why? No. Oh, seriously? You're not. J- what the hell? Where's my file? Thank you. All right. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, subscribe, all that jazz. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And I will be back again uh, sometime soon. 